Welcome to Real Weddings with Sarah. I'm Sarah Kennedy from Irish Wedding Blog, one of Ireland's leading sources for wedding inspiration, advice and support. Real Weddings with Sarah brings you an inside snoop of some of Ireland's best-loved personalities and celebrity weddings. Join me as I indulge on all of the wedding goss. Today, I am joined by one of the world's most creative wedding couples, Don O'Neill, former creative director of Thea, who has led the bridal design industry for many years, and Pascal, one of New York's most sought-after floral artists. They were one of the first same-sex couples to legally get married here on this fair isle, and I am thrilled to be chatting about weddings and married life with Don and Pascal. You are so welcome. We're delighted and excited to be talking to you, Sarah. Hello, hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Guys, I am just, I was reading over your wedding and researching into it. And it's just, all I can say is it's just like a visual masterpiece. It's like a work of art. Well, I have to say, Pascal, um, apart from being a talented florist, would be an extraordinary event planner. Um, ah. Much as he said he wouldn't want to do it, but seriously, he planned that wedding in Ireland from New York down to every single teeny tiny detail. Nothing escaped his attention and the result was a magical, enchanting wedding. Oh, wow. Well, look, we'll get, we'll get into that in a minute. I'm going to take us back a few years to how you met. So I suppose you met, as they say, on the job. Don, you were designing and Pascal, you were performing. Was it love at first sight? Uh, it was love at first sight. So that's many, many, many years ago. <laughs> it's actually 27 years ago today. Wow, today? Well, not today, but this year was 27 years ago. So oh, wow. 27 years. You, yeah. know, you, you know, you'd get, you'd get less for murder. <laughs> <laughs> and who was it that said, I love you first? The two of us at the same time. Oh. <laughs> we, we, we did have cross wires at the beginning, um, only because, believe it or not, I thought he was straight and he thought I was straight. And... Uh, it took us a while to figure each other out. Um, but as soon as we got things moving, it was sort of warp speed from then on, which was kind of awesome. When did both of you know that each other was the one or was there one that came to the party a little bit quicker than the other? Uh, Pascal was on the express bus before you could count ah. to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don was a little bit, I was on a bicycle trying to catch up with the bus, basically way behind him. Right. Um, Pascal. Pascal in our relationship has always been the um, instigator and the person that made things happen. And as with our relationship, he was the one at the very beginning that pursued me um, and pursued me intensely. And that is pretty much why we are where we are today. Basically, he just was determined to make it happen. And in spite of language barriers and Dan O'Neill not knowing whether he was coming or going, Pascal made sure that all the pieces fell into place. I love this. And so when was it that you got engaged on, and how did that proposal happen? Uh, it actually happened on our um, 20th. 20th anniversary. We were, we were in Miami for the weekend to celebrate our anniversary. And I was trying to figure out what in my head I was going to give Pascal as an anniversary present. And for years, we joked about um, getting married. And every time the conversation came up, Pascal would point, show his hand to people. Do you see an engagement ring on this finger? And of course, there wasn't one. And he joked to me afterwards, don't you go buy me a diamond ring? Um, and this was sort of a running joke for years and years. But I decided it would be awesome to actually propose to him. So long story short, we're on South Beach in Miami. And 
I actually organized and pulled off an, a major event, which I think was more surprising than, to Pascal than the actual proposal. I organized um, an airplane to fly over the beach with a banner and trailing on the banner was Pascal, um, Pascal, je t'aime, oh. will you marry me? Oh my and God. That flew over South Beach in Miami on the, on the Sunday morning with the two of us sitting on the beach. And there was a whole series of events around it to get us to get him in position on time um, to see, to be there when the banner oh my was God. overhead. The pressure. And of course, I thought it would be nice and quiet because it was 1030 in the morning in Miami. And I thought there'd be no one on the beach. Meanwhile, the beach was mobbed. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it was it was pretty awesome. And of course, um we were, very, I was very emotional at the time and very caught up in the actual, when the plane came and it was sort of, I had a car to give him and I had to pull the ring out and there were things that all needed to happen. But the cheering of the crowds around us on the beach, because wow. people obviously were scanning for who, who was proposing to who. And then they saw me down on one knee over by our beach chair and, and they're all yelling, what did he say? What did he say? And meanwhile, the plane kept going around in circles over the beach. It was, it was a pretty special, magical um morning on the beach. So yeah, that was our oh, proposal. Wow. And and it's really your your first time done, I suppose, of taking the lead, taking charge. It it was because Pascal is the one that organizes the holidays and he's the one do you have your passport or do you have your driver's license and do you have your hotel this and do you have the hotel key? And Pascal is the one that would organise absolutely everything. So oh, wow. for me to have organised all of that ahead of time with the airplane company and I had a secret photographer that Stop. I had booked on to come and photograph the whole thing and I had to organize with her and coordinate that and then of course buy the ring and get the ring down there without him seeing the ring because of course Pascal checks the baggage to make sure everything's in it oh god well it was a clandestine operation that I had to make happen flawlessly without his knowledge and it all thankfully came together and he said yes which was the most oh that was magical magical really magical moment and Pascal did you have any clue that this was going to happen not at all. Wow. Not at all. And uh, yeah. And I was uh, kind of I was kind of worried because I was seeing that Don was very nervous and I didn't know what was going on. And um, I even went for a swim, and then he screamed at me, "Come back! Come back from the water! Come back from the water! You can't sit." Would you believe, as the bloody airplane is arriving, I could see it in the distance. Your man decides to get up out of his armchair. It was very, very magical. And, um, oh, it's beautiful. We, we are very surprised, the two of us, that we are so emotional 20 years after being together. But still, the engagement was was really, really beautiful and emotional for the two of us. So. And at the time, same-sex marriage was still not legal. Of course. So, yeah. And I suppose that that led us on then to actually the planning and the actual wedding itself. And and I know that you returned to Don's hometown. And I think we can't pass without discussing the two big major significances here is, first of all, there's the whole piece of returning home to get married um, with great success and, you know, having gone through coming out, etc. And then also being one of the first couples in Ireland to take advantage of the same sex 
marriage um, legalities and being able to legally get married from from I suppose and weddings bring on so many emotions as it stands and of, and I know Don as as you mentioned in in various articles that your mum had passed as well so like you had all of this big huge significance um, and I suppose huge milestone how was that emotionally in the lead up and the actual day? Um, it was. Uh, it was, I would, I think the word is overwhelming, but there was such, um, there was such a feeling of love on the day that was just extraordinary. And just to backtrack a little, um, we decided we did want to get married in Ireland because of just the logistics of people traveling. And most of the, a lot of my family, um, for lots of different reasons, wouldn't have all been able to come to New York for a wedding or to go to France for a wedding. So we definitely decided it would be in County Kerry. And initially we were looking at Killarney, just as sort of a central point for people to get to that would have accommodations and venues um, because there really wasn't a venue we could have had in Ballyhive. And then Pascal, in his genius wedding planning mode, thought, why don't we just build a marquee somewhere? And anyway, with a lot of research and Pascal constantly pushing, there's a beautiful castle overlooking Ballyhive and there's a big golf course there. And we thought, wow, could we put a marquee up at the castle? And I'm like, well, we won't be able to put one on the golf course because they would never allow it. He would ruin the golf course. But anyway, he kept pushing it. It turned out they had this amazing driving range with these beautiful views out over the out over Ballyhig. And the, the golf club said, yeah, you could put a marquee there. So that immediately just sort of got all the planning that we could actually have the wedding in Ballyhig where I grew up. And the castle overlooks the house that I grew up in and overlooks Ballyhig Bay. And it's pretty spectacular. Um, so it be, immediately... We were able to be surrounded by the entire family, um, Pascal's family from France. We had over 65 guests that came from the United States and, and around the world. And just to be at home and um, the the idea of growing up gay in Ballyhig and sort of not knowing who I was and, and just being a gay man in Ireland. And it was just such a, well, it wasn't accepted, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then to be in the village of Ballyhig Myself and Pascal, uh, we walked up to the castle from my house, which was like a five minute walk carrying two red balloons. And the crowd of the local people that had assembled at the gates to the castle to cheer us on was spectacular. Wow. And that was for me so overwhelming to think everyone dreams of their fairy tale wedding. But as a gay man, I never thought I'd have one or could never have even imagined one in Ballyhig in, in my wildest dreams. And here we were on our wedding day, hand in hand with our red balloons being embraced by the people of Ballyhig um, and getting married at Ballyhig Castle. It was just extraordinary. And out of the feeling that mum was present because we were right by places where I mean, we could see the house, we could just we could just feel her love. We could feel the love of the people in the village, the love of all of our guests. It was it truly was um, an extraordinary, magical, enchanting day. I think it was very important to find a way for it to happen in Ballyhag. Mm-hmm. Um, because because it's Don's Vaughan's village, he was born there, raised there. And I think that he made sense that we will get married there. So even if it was very complicated to organize this from overseas, because obviously you can't only do all those things by email. Of course. Uh, but it, I think it was important. Now it's that time of the podcast for Cool Finds. Cool Finds. Cool 
cool find. Okay. You like this one. Well, you like all of them. <laughs> you'll enjoy, you'll enjoy, you'll you, enjoy you, the novelty of this one. You've yet to bring me something where I've gone, oh, what? Well, this one is very practical. Okay. And I actually, the more I learn about it, the more it feels like it's actually something every wedding could do with. Okay. So this one is a wedding master of ceremonies. Oh, like an MC? Yeah. Oh, th- that is Master of Ceremonies, yeah. MC. Yeah, okay. I'm in the room. Okay, so basically what we know as an MC is someone that's on the mic going whackety whackety whack. Whoa, where did you go to MC school? <laughs> okay, well, this is different. Yes. Okay, so this is a very nice service. Yeah. So this is called Master of Ceremonies. And basically what a wedding Master of Ceremony, aka wedding MC does, is they are almost like this responsible parent for your wedding. So it's a little bit different than a wedding planner or a wedding coordinator. This person is works with you. Mm. And what they are really good at doing is, first of all, they keep the guests informed when they need to move along to the next stage of the wedding. They keep things moving and they just float and they keep, they mingle with the guests, make sure everybody has everything that they need. Um, and they do that across the day. So not just at the venue, not just at the church or the ceremony. They, they do it across the day. But where they come to light is when everybody's in the function room, they host the event. So for example, a lot of the time when you go in to have your, your meal, you know, a best man is going to be handed a mic and they have to try and say, OK, and up next is uh, the yeah. father or the bride. You do need guidance. Yes. Yeah, so this person is like a character as well that will keep guests moving, but also will get up and keep that whole situation moving along and be like, you're very, they'll say a few words, you're very welcome to the wedding. First of all, we're going to hear from such and such, such and such. And they just keep it moving very nicely. And majority of the time, the people in Ireland that are providing that service are either part of a band or, or a DJ themselves. So they might be somebody that you would use later on as well. I like this. So it, it's a it nice fills one. in all the little blanks of the wedding where people are kind of shuffling around. Yeah. It, you can't it's get consistent. Yeah. It's a nice consistent string. They are the string that keeps everything together and like um, because they're public facing. They're the people that are uh, publicly talking. So when you have a wedding planner, they're in the background trying to sort everything out and keep things moving and looking after you as the bride and groom. This is an alternative to put somebody out front. And in some cases, they're entertainers as well. So they might sing okay. or they might, you know, do a bit of engage. They might do some some crack with your guests. So ah, there's, yeah. there's a few that I've seen where they're actually fully engaging or else they might do all the background music during your, your, your dinner as well. I only know of a few. There are a lot that are doing it, but um, there's Stevie D. Okay. Stevie D. He's a wedding DJ and compare. He's an MC as well. Um, I know Shane from Harlequin Band does it as well. Yeah. Um, and there's, look, there's just, there's a raft of people that are doing it. I know that. Um, Do they have a website Dermot where they're all on together? Do you know what? I haven't actually found where you can find them all at once. But yeah. if you do a Google search for Wedding MC Ireland, yeah. you'll find them. Um, there's Dermot Carey as well. He does he does it as well. So look, it's it's just nice. It's just a nice little comfort blanket. And as well, do you know what I, I thought re- was really nice? Um, there's a, there's a, an entertainer in in Malaga and he was telling me, maybe it's not Malaga, but his name is Ian Preston Entertainment. He's a really, really big wedding entertainer on the circuit over in Spain. But he was telling me that a lot of the time he's settling the nerves of anyone that has to make a speech yes. and moving them along. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you it's do like a little comfort that. blanket. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice touch. And Pascal, as, as Don has, has told us earlier, you basically planned absolutely everything. So can you talk us through, like, where did you start and how do you even begin? to stay sane when you're trying to plan a wedding so far from home 
even though it is another home, but also being such a visual person and so in control of your own uh, floral artistry. How were you able to to manage all of that? Well, am I supposed, am I allowed to make little jokes or not? <laughs> Go for it. Okay. So I guess I was, when we, we went, um, we went a month after the law passed in Ireland, we went to Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Don, we have one year to plan that wedding. So because we're in Ireland, let's take opportunity to look around and see what we can do for next year. So we did visit the different spaces and different locations and different hotels. Different hotels and there was, some, there was always a little something missing. And I think it, it took a few days for us to figure out that what was missing was actually the concept of home. Of course. So that's when we said, okay, so regardless of what hotel or venue we're going to choose is never going to be home. So we need, we, need, we need that wedding to happen at home. So that's how we decided to forget about the hotels everywhere and just find a solution in Ballyhag Village itself. And, uh, and then uh, Don is someone who's very strong in his faith and I respect it and I embrace it. And I, as far as I went to him and said, well, obviously we are not really allowed to get married in the church, but can we just run the church when there is no mass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you know, just a simple detail, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was being naive, but I thought it would be, I've been to the church many, many times in Ballyhag. When we are home, I go with Don and Dad and Pat and Deeds to the, to the mass, even if I'm not myself practicing. So for me, it, I thought it would be important to find a way to get married in the church as well. Obviously, I was just a little bit naive. You can't just run the church because it's an, it's it's just a venue that you just can't rent out. So we need to figure out a solution. How, how are we going to bring that element to the ceremony, which is important to them? So then this is where we decided to actually recreate a kind of a setting in front of the castle. And the ruins of the castles are beautiful and it's almost like an old church that was abandoned. So I think that the element was brought there. But then there is always the problem of the weather in Ireland. So how are we going to organize a wedding outside and have plan A, B, C, <laughs> depending on what's happening with the weather? So when we spoke with the people who were creating the marquee for us, um, Noreen and Keith, the pavilion marquee, fabulous people. Yeah, pavilion marquees, big yeah. shout out. Okay, great. <laughs> I said to her that um, we really want to get married outdoor in front of the ruins of the castle because the view of the bay, the bay is actually the view of Don's home, where he's born and where he was raised. And I thought it would be a very important point. And I said to her, well, you know, we have the date fixed, but we can't predict the weather. So what can we do? So the first thing she said, we can build a little, little second marquee next to it. Just in case it pour rains, we just got all of the guests running away from the from the rain and just get into the little marquee and have the ceremony inside that little marquee. So this was adding logistic to it. Now you're not building just a marquee for the reception, you're building a second one in case you need. So this this was adding up more concerns, like how are we going to move 220 chairs in five minutes? If we didn't, if the if the rains pour down, how are you going to move all the guests inside that little town to get married? 
So then we decided maybe we have two sets of chairs. So that would be 500 chairs. And that becomes just crazy and ridiculous to think about all those things. So we decided, okay, we're going to take the risk. We're going to get married outside. So we're going to set up everything outside. And if it does rain, then we'll just run inside that little gazebo and just stand and just get married inside the tent. Yeah. But the logistic of the logistic of creating something where nothing exists, that, that's where it became complicated. I, I have to just say, um, on behalf of both Pavilion Marquis and Master Chefs, they are consummate professionals. And things we didn't think of or didn't or weren't aware of, they pointed us in the right direction. They Amazing. were very conscious of our budget because Believe it or not, we're not multimillionaires, and this was an expensive undertaking. And they worked with, they worked with us. Um, Noreen uh, worked with us at Pavilion Marquis on how to build a fabulous marquee and still keep our costs down, which was extraordinary. And of course, they built the second one just in case it rained um, for the service. And then at Master Chefs, again, they worked with us on the menu choices um, and on on the items that we rented. All of the catering items came through them, the kitchen and. The tables, the chairs, the table coverings, every single item came through Master Chefs. And the quality of their food and the quality of the service on the day and the care they took of us was extraordinary. And and down to Noreen and Cliff at Pavilion Marquis, they were like, they almost became de facto event managers on the day and and the care they took of us. It was it was all of these wonderful people that came around us. These, as I said, if you hire the right people, and we fortunately we did, um, it just added to the to the day it was just it was extraordinary but i think that um, both of them understood the importance of what we were doing because we by the time we got married we were together almost 23 years so it's like it's something that we so long for that it had to be something special not just for us but for all the people who were coming it was important for us to have all the people we love being present there. And I think that they understood that so much up to the point that they actually decided to come to the wedding themselves. They wanted to be Aww. there. We had even the owner of MasterChef, Pat O'Sullivan, be there and say, <laughs> OK, guys, I'm going to be the one who's going to take care of the catering on the day. We had Noreen and Cliff coming to the wedding two days in advance so we can meet and be on location and so I think everybody wow. that we put into the event, we wanted to include them, including them part of the wedding as well. Even with the flowers, I mean, because it's it was a tent, there's there's only so much you can do, but we want it to be something very symbolic. And um, as you mentioned, Don Mon passed away, and our favorite flower was the fuchsia. So I was in touch with um, our fabulous local florist in uh, Tralee, Eleanor, Eleanor Grew from Eleanor Florist, and I said, Eleanor, we need to create something that represents Ireland that is elegant. And the fuchsia needs to be very important. So she told me that she has those incredible cast iron candelabras, which I think would be fabulous in an outdoor setting because you really, because the monkey was all glass and plastic, you could see through everything. So you really felt you were sitting outside and bring the element of nature inside uh, the marquee. So she said, okay, I'm sending you a picture, just look at it. So then I look at it and I said, okay, I'm going to make a sketch of what we can create and actually sketch it and send it to her. And including the fuchsias and mosses and grasses and being something very organic, like you, 
like you bring the nature inside and then adding the, the very thick pillars instead of candle wrapped pillars to make it very homey. She must have been petrified I, <laughs> to get it right. She mustn't have she mustn't have slept have a to, wink. She's a good friend of Pascal's yeah. now and they know each other pretty well. But I know Eleanor felt under pressure that day only because, first of all, to, to make Don and Pascal happy because she's a friend and she really wanted to do her best for us. And then because it was kind of a high profile wedding, um, she just felt the extra the extra pressure. But um, Eleanor is a consummate professional again and a very talented artist. And she was literally because Fuchsia wouldn't be in bloom till August. Of course. And we wanted them in June. So Brilliant. she had planted them a year ahead in greenhouses up in the north. The specialists that had them where Stop. the fuchsias were, were growing so that she would have them in time for the wedding. But she did an extraordinary job and those centerpieces were incredible. Wow. And I suppose, yeah. you know, when we look at, you know, this this visual and, and, and the floristry and how everything came together. And, and it is, to your point, Pascal, looking out into a completely blank field and having to imagine over a year in advance what is this end result going to look like and what are all the different pieces that move and I think a lot of people that go into DIY weddings and and want to do something maybe even in their garden it's a huge huge undertaking and we can see that even having to be so ahead in your thoughts to plant fuchsias a year before you know these are the things we don't think about when we go to undertake you know a DIY wedding it's 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 a huge undertaking it's 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 a it's a usual undertaking, but it's something that you create. So it, it's not something that is stressful in a way. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's welcome Danny's stress. That is laughing right now. That's galaxy. It's something that wasn't stressful. If you had seen him <laughs> coming, <laughs> I think what what was the difficult part for me was not to be there. It's it's very of difficult course. to to not, think not, about all those details just by emails. Not only that. Stressful. Um, Sarah, we also took over people's accommodations, which we also became their travel, the travel planners, agents, because there's a hotel in Bali High called the White Sands Hotel. And again, a year ahead, we told them we'd need at least 40 rooms, Um, but they didn't have a website. So it was kind of hard for people to connect with them and with time changes and people again traveled from all over the world. We literally became the booking agent. And it was it was literally that was challenging because it was early in the season for them. They weren't quite open. And I think the the booking system at the time was a series of post-it notes that were just being stuck up around the reception desk. And (laughs) we had best changing their minds. They were coming and then they were coming on different days and then they were adding extra people. And it it was challenging for the White Sands to keep up with us. So eventually it was just it was up to Pascal. It was Pascal really that was. Uh, working as the travel agent and then coordinating with getting people's flights that were coming into Shannon or into Dublin and connecting them onto Kerry wow. and then we ordered people to pick them up at Farm 4 so that they could get to Ballyhag. It was, there was, I don't think there was any detail that Pascal didn't make happen. And at the end of the day, what happened was a flawless, smooth wedding where every single detail came together on the day and everyone just had even, and to make it, to just to add to it, we had a welcome dinner, which here in America, it's a big thing you do um, the, night before. the night before the rehearsal. There's yeah. a rehearsal for the families that arrive usually for a destination wedding. But we decided for the rehearsal dinner because we had so many guests coming from overseas and so many friends from Ireland and so many people in our lives that knew of each other but hadn't met each other. So 
um, Flahav's Bar in Ballyhag has this wonderful um, beer garden and um, my cousin Claire is married to Pat who runs it. And um, the night before the wedding, we had a full-on sit-down buffet dinner for all of the guests. Oh, my God. So basically, 220 people the night before, we had a big dinner and a band. I remember my aunt dancing on the dance floor saying, Jesus, Dan, this is as good as any wedding. What are you going to do tomorrow? Oh, <laughs> the pressure. But, it was, but even organising that and organising the menu and just getting everyone taken care of. And obviously it was at our, our expense, but we just wanted everyone to meet each other so that the next day at the wedding, people had already made friends and people knew each other. And then on the night of the wedding, on Saturday, June 11th, at midnight, I turned 50. My ah. birthday is June. So that was my birthday. So the next day, because here in America, again, there's a brunch after weddings usually. So we had a birthday lunch back in Flahavs, which we had fully catered again at one o'clock on the Sunday. And thank God that the weather, it was like it was like we were in Greece. It was the most beautiful, glorious, blue-skied Sunday and the back their beer garden is is a white white whitewashed high walls and was hung with flowering petunias and it was the most colorful lush it, it, literally we felt like we were in an island in Greece and again two hundred and twenty five guests again for a full lunch on, oh my god on, so people really had a magical full on weekend in Ballyhag it was it and again, Pascal, making sure all of that happened seamlessly. And and speaking of, of, of seams, we can't go by without chatting about the style. Um, well, of course, that was the one thing Don had to do. Pascal did <laughs> You'd one job. Don, Don had to worry about what we were wearing. And I, I, I kid you not, but literally we were, the day we were leaving for the airport, I was still stitching the last bits together on oh, our wow. suits, even though, even though I had a year and a half to make them. It literally, I was literally right down to the wire. I was one of the people creating stress, one of the suppliers that Pascal had to worry oh my about. God. <laughs> <laughs> that, I would have, that I would have our outfits ready on time. But um, it, it, the, the embroidery on them took quite a while to do and getting it out on time and then getting it back on time and getting the suits tailored and fitted. And anyway, it all, it all came together at the very last second. And it was well worth it because they are such, um, so so unique. And both of you had different embroidery on the back. What can yes. you tell us the story behind each of those? Well, Pascal, um, his, for anyone who knows him, seahorses are um, very, very important to him. And the reason they're important to him is because the seahorse is the only animal in nature that uh, gestates its young. Basically, it, it's it's the father is actually it's in his stomach that the babies grow. Oh. And the idea of the male being the mother figure, basically, and having the babies in his stomach and, and gestating them is, is something for Pascal that's very, very important. Um so on his jacket, I had two seahorses um, mirror imaged on, on the front of his jacket. And then for me, the Book of Cows has always been sort of something that's been important in my design world. And there was a particular symbol from the Book of Cows that I've worn on a T-shirt for a long, long time. So I put those symbols from the Book of Cows on my jacket, on the front of my jacket. And then the rest of the jacket was embroidered with um, fuchsia motifs that sort of scroll down the front and around the collar and on the cuffs. As a, as a tribute to my mom. Beautiful. 
And um, just before you tied the knot, what was your expectation of marriage and what did you think it would bring? Um, I think for us, for me anyway, it was a sense of legitimacy because we'd always refer to each other for for years and years as hu- my husband. Or oh, yeah, that's, as, the, that's the funny part. Because, my husband. <laughs> because we always call each other husbands before we were wedding. And then when he proposed, I became a fiancé, so I got demoted. <laughs> no. So that was a weird feeling. <laughs> so then we had to wait to get married to call each other husbands again. But it, it, for, it was just to be a legit, to be legitimately, to have our relationship re- legitimately recognized was ver- very important to me. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had inv- we had obviously already invested um, the best part of 22 or 23 years of our lives together. So we were a committed couple in a committed relationship. Um, but it was really important for us to be recognized um even though our families accepted Don and Pascal as a couple I think it was important to be recognized as a married couple and of course to stand in front of our family and and out loud commit ourselves to each other and um to show to our families that our love and not that they doubted it but I just that our love was sincere and that we were committed and we were in this forever and Everything, everything that a wedding is, that when a couple yeah. stand there together and they say their vows and they and they express their love for one another and they make that promise to each other in front of their friends and family. And we wanted to have that opportunity to do that. Um, and just and also for us was to celebrate the fact that we were together 22 years and that everybody that was there with us on the day was on that journey with us. Everybody was part of that journey and everybody was part of our success as a couple because of their support down through the years and their love and their goodwill. And it was sort of a celebration of us and a celebration of our families. And it truly was. I mean, it was everything a wedding should be. But the fact that we'd waited 20 long years for it to happen just magnified um, the effect of the day and the love that was there. And it was it was it was extraordinary. And I think as well, it was the opportunity for us to have all the people we adore and love meet. Of course. Because, I mean, because, we've, because we we come from Europe, we moved to the States, so we have dear friends a little bit all over the place. Um, we had friends that came from Australia, yeah. friends from Germany. Um, from Italy, France, Spain, France, England. The United States. The United States. Yeah. There was something about... You know, you, we always speak about her to you. We always speak about him to you. Like you, you never met. It would be. It was such the perfect occasion for to have all the people we love under mm-hmm. one roof, and yes. we know that they would love each other. I mean, so it was saying, actually to Pascal's point this morning on Facebook. I just saw our good friend Poppy Media, who's an yeah. artist in Kerry. And my fr- our dear friend Pete Ansel, who works in the movies here in New York liked Poppy's post on Facebook this morning. I'm like, oh, oh that's from when they sat together at the wedding and they got yeah. to know each other, which was which was special. That's beautiful. And look, you know, you've been together 27 years and, and marriage is one part, but you, you've gone through such a huge relationship even before that, you, you know, to your point, legitimised um, your relationship. But 
what are the biggest hurdles, I suppose, of relationships and married life in general? What do you find are the biggest hurdles? You know, do you react differently in conflicted situations where one might do silent treatment, one might fly off the handle? Like, how how yeah, does that dynamic we, work? We do have that dynamic. I'm I tend to be the silent one, and and I tend to sulk, and then Pascal <laughs> will be, and and it, it's just a, it's I I I I don't like conflict, so I tend to sort of bury things until then it explodes. Whereas Pascal is very direct and as soon as something bothers him he'll say it immediately um and if, and like any couple we'll have it we'll have it out and then um but it's good to clear the air and i think it makes it stronger makes us stronger afterwards but of course. i mean like every couple there there has to be you have to step back i mean you're entitled to have your your moment but then you have to be able to step back from it and learn from it and then um move move on from that without I don't know carrying any grudges or just or resentment yes because I just think then that just eats away at you and that's just not a healthy thing to carry with you but I think it's a choice we uh, any relationship you have the choice to make it work it's up to you to make it work so if there is problems you can choose to solve them and forget about them then you move back to a beautiful mood I think it's all about the decision that if you choose to commit with someone, it comes with consequences. Mm-hmm. And there is no perfect relationship that doesn't exist because there is no perfect human being. I, oh, hello. But <laughs> 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 well, usually I'm the one who says that. But um, I think it's I think it's it's up to us um, to choose to make it work. I always say that uh, in a love story, the most important thing is to add wood into your fireplace so then the fire always is blazing if you stop doing that then you're giving up absolutely i love that i love that um that way of putting it and and do you guys have a particular way that um you do like you ensure that your relationship is healthy like do you have particular rules like you know wednesday's date night or or anything like that do do you have specifics that are non non non-negotiable to keep your relationship good and strong my only rule is that life needs to be beautiful all the time. There's, there's no moment that can be wasted when it's not beautiful. So every moment that you breathe in is to be beautiful. So you have to make it happen so every time it's beautiful. So if it's, if it's a bad day, we're going to make it becoming a beautiful day. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to take that one home to my husband today and just re- <laughs> and remind him that needs to be his new motto. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And just in terms of, you know, a lot of the couples that are listening now, they're just in that very early stage. You know, they could have been together for a long time. They're engaged. They're about to get married or some have just got married. What parting advice would you give other couples as they embark on their road to marriage? Respect each other's. It's very important. The most reason that you get frustrated with your partner is because of the own expectation that you have yourself of themselves. And I think that's a mistake. So just respect the way they are so then you don't get frustrated because they're not doing what you think they should be doing because that's not who they are. So, I, I think also um, to be kind to one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, kind in a sincere way because you will get frustrated and there will be days when you're cheesed off and things aren't going right. And and it's so easy. I think the easiest person to hurt is the person you love the most or the person you're beside every day. 
because you know them so well, you can just get right in there and, and be mean. And you have to, at all costs, avoid that and just be kind to each other. This is a person you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with. You've, cho you've done this for a very specific reason. And just be kind to each other. Just be kind and then the love will just follow, will follow suit. That is absolutely beautiful. Pascal and Don, thank you so much for joining me today and giving us such great perspective on, you know, the beauty of a relationship and the respect and kindness we show each other. You've been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was lovely oh, that was so lovely. Oh, my God. Thanks for listening to Real Weddings with Zara. Thanks to producer Ruth Devaney, voiceover extraordinaire Phil Colley, and Pink Champagne Wedding Band for our Cool Finds jingle. Join me next week where we will be chatting to another top guest to get the scoop about their wedding day and married life. Until then, you can find me at Irish Wedding Blog on social media channels.